Hi there. Welcome to the Branch Life Podcast. We're so happy that you tuned in. Please join us today as we continue our series through the book of Matthew. Thanks for joining us online as we go through a series called Asking for a Friend. Have you ever had one of those questions where you know you're supposed to know the answer, but you are so embarrassed to ask it? And then you kind of just pose it as, hey, I'm asking for a friend. Can anybody help me out with the answer to this question? Through this series, we will learn that Jesus loves to hear us asking him questions. And he loves to answer those back. If you are new or a regular, Thank you so much for logging in. We appreciate all of your um, love and support and generosity through all of these series that we uh, present for you guys. If this is your first time, please log on to www.branchlife.church backslash connect. And in there, you will be able to fill out a connection card. We would love to give you a new Matthew journal as a free gift for, logging in and joining us. If you would like more information about our church, you can also go to the website and we you can find out some events that what's going on and some more um, series that we have already done and just ways to help encourage you. So thanks for jumping in and we hope you enjoy this new series. Well, we are jumping in, so grab your Bibles or grab your Matthew journals. If you have your journal, we're going to be in page 94 is where we're going to start off today. And then uh, if you have your Bibles, just go to Matthew chapter 17, uh, only in the second service. So we are jumping right into our Asking for a Friends series, and we're really excited that this is week two. You may have missed week one because they were calling for ice last week. And if you just missed it, we want you to know that whether you can't be here on a Sunday, you can always jump on the live stream, or you can catch up anytime at branchlife.church at our YouTube channel or on our message section on our website. And so those are great ways to jump in. Maybe maybe you're hearing this for the first time and you want to say, I want to see what's happening with the first question. You can do that. Or what they study with the first part of Matthew. We've gone through the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, We've gone through some of Jesus' uh, parables and stories for skeptics. We've reintroduced Jesus and all of those things have been happening as we've been traveling through Matthew. And so if you get one of these journals, you can always backtrack and uh, go verse by verse with us. Now here's the dream that we have today. And and just think about this. Maybe you haven't dreamt this dream yet, uh, but it's a dream we all should dream in our lives. What if, what if everything 
was already taken care of, and it was going to be okay. What if everything was already taken care of, and it was going to be okay? You're bringing with you this morning into this worship moment, whether it's live, whether you're online, whether you're watching the rebroadcast, you're bringing with you a concern. You're bringing with you trouble. You're bringing with you um, uh, anxiety. You're bringing with you questions. It's all natural. We have it. What if it was all already taken care of? And what if everything was going to be okay? That's exactly what we're talking about this morning. How can we lean in to the reality, and maybe you're not convinced that this is a reality, that if you are a follower of Jesus, everything is already taken care of, and it's going to be okay. That would drastically change my emotions. That would drastically change my actions. That would drastically change my steps and where I go and my smile and my thoughts and my sleep. If we actually believed it and lived like we believed it. And it all comes back to the question that we're answering today. And this question is uh, the, the second question in our series. And they come right out of Matthew 17 and the following chapters. And it's, who's the boss? This is not literally the question from this chapter. But this is the spirit of the questions that we're going to see. And so, who is the boss of today? Right? So you might be hearing this question. You go, I know who the boss is. It's Bruce Springsteen. He's the boss, right? Or maybe you're old enough that you'll know the answer to this question. Maybe you think it's Tony Danza, right? Everybody like 40 and under went, what? Maybe, maybe you think you're the boss. Maybe you think the president's the boss. Maybe you think that there's, spiritual, there's a spiritual realm that's really in control of everything that's happening. Maybe it's the mistress, mysterious they who are pulling all the strings behind the scenes. The man is the boss. But what if it was actually true that God is the boss? What if it was actually true that God is the boss of today, tomorrow, of our future? What if it's actually true that, that God is in control of Bruce Springsteen and Tony Danza and the President of the United States. And what if it's true that the boss is, is God? And if, the, if it's true that the boss is God, he gives us a couple of promises. One of them is you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Wow! Is that true? And the second one is he's going to work everything together for good to those that love him. Now if he's the boss and it's his rules, then that's the way it's going to go. But there's scary things in this world. Yeah, there are. There's like scary people that get elected or appointed or get nominated or they're in charge of my office or they're my kid's teacher. And and they're, Josh, they're awful. They're not the boss. What, what, if, what if it's all up to me and I've got to fix everything and make it right and be the best parent I can be and get straight A's and do all the work and, and what if I've got to fix all the problems? You're not the boss. What if, what if there is darkness in this world and that darkness creeps in to my life? What if there are spiritual powers that are stronger than I am What if there is a spiritual realm out there and it's out to get me? They're not the boss. If God's the boss, 
then it changes everything. In the story that we're going to read today, it leads to these questions, and it's specifically going to talk about the spiritual realm and the government, and how we can often get discombobulated with both of those things. There's a story that we're about to read of a father who loved his kid, and his kid was sick. His kid had had health problems. His kid needed healing. His kid was being influenced by the spiritual realm. And so he did the only thing he thought he could do, and he brought this kid to the disciples so that they could heal him, because after all, Jesus and his disciples were running around healing people, helping people. They were casting out demons. They were making the blind to see. It was amazing. And so if my kid's sick and my kid's in trouble, I'm going to bring them to these disciples, and maybe they'll do what they've done for everybody else, but it didn't work. And so then he goes to Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, let's, let's jump into the story. In Matthew chapter 94, and, and we'll read from, from verse 14 on. The story is going to lead us to one of the most amazing truths in all of Scripture. Here it goes, verse 14. And when they came to the crowd, a man came up kneeling before him. This is the dad kneeling before Jesus. He said, Lord, which circle the word Lord, that's amazing. Lord, have mercy on my son. For he has seizures, like like an epileptic would. And he suffers terribly. For he often falls into the fire. Or he falls into the water. And I brought him to your disciples. They couldn't heal him. And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long shall I be with you? In other words, my time is getting short you got to grow up. How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. Verse 18, fascinating verse. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him. And the boy was healed instantly. Now here's where this conversation comes up. Remember last week, spectacular event led to questions. Here it is again. There's a spectacular event. You saw this miracle happen, and it leads to questions. Here's the question. And In verse uh, 19, then the disciples came to Jesus privately, and they said, why could we not cast it out? Maybe, Maybe you've had this question, right? And it falls under this category of who's the boss, right? Can I cast out demons? Can I heal the sick? Can I be in charge of the spiritual realm and the physical realm? That's exactly the question the disciples brought to Jesus in this moment. Now, until you think that this is an illogical question, the disciples in several other chapters of the Bible had already been instructed by Jesus to travel around and to heal the sick and to cast out demons. And so the disciples were thinking Peter, James, uh, uh, John, all of the, uh, Simon, Thaddeus, Thomas, they're, they're traveling around, Matthew included, and they're, they're already starting through the power of God to be able to do some miraculous signs and wonders on behalf of God. They have been given that instruction. And so this dad comes to them with the boy who needs to be healed. Turns out he needs to have the demon cast out. And all of a sudden they go, demon be gone, boy be healed, whatever they said. And it didn't work. And so they came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, you need to heal this. The, the dad's like, you need to heal my son. Your disciples couldn't. And he did. And the disciples went, 
Why couldn't we do it? We just did it the last time. We just did the last miracle. What happened? And so Jesus is going to directly answer their question. And of course, you're going to have questions about this. Could, could you do what the disciples do? Could you ha- heal people? Can, you, can we, as Christians, cast out demons? Can we rebuke the darkness? Like, like I, I heard a story one time, and, and you know, those little bonfire stories that you tell with your friends that kind of make your hair curl up, right? And so here's the story, true or not, I don't know. Um, a friend walks into his house, and he walks into the first floor, and he's going to go up to the second floor, and on the first, between the first floor and the second floor, there's a a uh, bunch of stairs, and on the stairs is his adorable little kitty cat, and the kitty cat's looking the other direction. He goes to go upstairs. The kitty cat turns around and says, get out. I knew I didn't like cats. Those felines, right? All right, true story or not, we've all heard them, okay? So what if there's something spiritual happening and, and do you have, as a Christian, what's your relationship to the spiritual realm? These are all big questions. We're not going to get through them all today. But how, how, do, how can I address that? Do I have the power of God channeling through me so I can say to my kitty cat, demon be gone, right? And all of a sudden it turns into a nice kitty and the, whatever made it talk is gone and now I'm, I'm better. My house is haunted. Can I exercise it? My, my, I, there's weird things that are happening in my dreams. Can I fix them? Uh, can I call a priest to pray over my family? Can I, is my sickness something spiritual or is it something physical? Can someone come and lay hands on me and, and cast it out and change it? Can I do that or can that be done for me? If you're asking yourself those questions, those are supernatural, pun not intended, those are supernatural uh, uh, questions. In other words, you're normal for asking those questions. So, so what does the Bible say? Well, first, let's see how Jesus answers the disciples on this question. And he, here's, the, here's the bottom line of the question. Who's in charge of demons? Right? Who's the boss? And why couldn't the disciples who had been given authority by Jesus cast out the demons? Now, here's what Jesus says. So let's jump back in. Super important. Super awesome. Verse 20, well, just I'll read the question again. Verse 19, then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? He said to them, because of your little faith. Why couldn't they cast out the demon? They didn't have enough faith. Now, Jesus then goes on to describe faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, which is tiny, you will be able to say to the mountain, move from here to there, and the mountain will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Here's where Jesus says, for someone who has faith, anything is possible. That's an outstanding claim. Mountain, move. And the mountain gets up, and it moves, and it sits back down. Can I do that? Do I have that ability? Do I have the, can I say to the demon, get out? Can I say to the leper, be healed? Can I say, if I just have enough faith? And what had happened in this moment is the disciples had done something that corrupted their faith. So they were not able, they were trying to, in their own power, in their own strength, do something that only God can do. 
But if you trust that God can do anything, then literally, God can do anything. So what is the mark of mustard seed faith? What is the mark of mountain-moving faith? How can I tap into this anything-is-possible power? The faith that Jesus is talking about breaks down, I think, into three parts for us to understand it. And we can miss on any of these three parts. And if you just hold the grain of a mustard seed in your hand and you are absolutely convinced of these three parts of faith, man, then anything is possible. And here's what they are. When you have mustard seed faith, it's faith that says he can. In other words, it's faith that depends on God's power. You would have to be, in order to have this kind of faith, you would have to be convinced that God can do it. God can move the mountain if he wants to. God can be in charge of demons. In other words, God's more powerful than Satan. God can heal my sickness. God can fix my addiction. God can. And if I believe that God can, you are starting to believe the first tenet of mustard seed faith. And some of us, we just break down here. We don't think God can handle our problems. We don't think God holds tomorrow. So if that was the the disciples' fault, then this is where they failed. But maybe they were convinced that God could. You also, in order to have mustard seed faith, have to submit to God's plan. And mustard seed faith says it's his call. In other words, if I want the mountain to move, and it's my plan, but God doesn't want the mountain to move, then it's not going to move. Because it's his call. God has to decide whether or not this thing is going to take place or happen. It's not my call, it's his call. And when I pray in faith, I have to pray, and Jesus teaches this, in the will of God. If you will. If it's your plan. If it's your purpose. If it's your best. And again, we can believe God can do it, but then we can start telling God what to do. That's not faith. And mustard seed faith then has a third component, and it's, it, it's certain, it's certain of the person of God. No doubt that God loves you, that God cares for you, that God is in, intimately involved and in working in and around you, that God is just, that God is righteous, that God is holy. That God is wise, that God is good, that God is caring. And if I'm certain of these things, then whatever he says goes because he has the power to do it. True faith is convinced of God's power, is convinced of God's plan, and is convinced of God's person. Now here was where the disciples fell short. They started to have signs of too little faith. And here's Here's how you know you have too little faith going on in your life. Number one, I I don't know if he can. I think my clicker is dead. So if you could go to the next slide. Signs of too little faith says, I can. My job. I'll fix it, and I'm depending on my power. This is, if this is you, this is exhausting. You are tired right now. You are exasperated. You are uh, at the bottom of your barrel, emotionally speaking. 
And as soon as you find yourself trying to be the fixer and trying to be in control, when you're depending on you and not God, you are running in your strength and not his. You are having too little faith. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct. And so as soon as I start capturing, whether it's by belief or whether it's by action, when I start saying I can, then it's, now imagine the disciples, right? We healed this blind person. We casted out their demon. I'm getting pretty good at this. Like, I'm pretty amazing. Bring on the creepy cat. I got this, right? And all of a sudden, they come back up, and they're like, all right, everybody stand back. Thaddeus is here. We're going to take care of this one. Bada bing, bada boom. You're better. You're not better. What happened? Maybe you're starting to have what I call show-off faith. Hey guys, look at me because I know God. And so God is going to listen to me because I'm special. And God has chosen me for this moment and to be the, you know what? As a matter of fact, I'm kind of like the sub-Messiah. So I'm here to be like the Messiah for now. I'm going to fix your problem. I'm going to be the one that rescues our city. I'm going to be the one that rescues our family. And we all get a Messiah complex every now and then. But here's the truth of the matter. You are not the Messiah. God is. You don't have to fix it. You don't have to control it. You don't have to to be an angst over it. It's not I can. It's he can. And that's the first sign of too little faith. But maybe the disciples were convinced on Jesus' power, but maybe they were starting to, to break into sign number two where they were starting to suggest to God a plan. Can you imagine? All right, God, I know you've got it all worked out, and you can see everything, and you know everything, past, present, future. You understand the intricacies and the, all of the stuff, but... I'm down here, and I'm limited. I can only see what I can see. I can only feel what I can feel. I can only hear what I can hear, and I'm a dirty, rotten sinner, but let's do it my way, all right? So, so God, here's the plan. We're going to take this mountain from here, and we're going to move it over there. Good plan, right? And go, do my plan. And God says, I put the mountain there in the first place. We're not moving it. Do you know what's going to happen if we move that mountain over there? Do you know what's going to happen to the river? Do you know what's going to happen to the landscape? Do you know what happened the last time I moved a bunch of mountains? I had to build an ark and put everybody on it, and it, just, it, was, it was awful. And here you want to go start rearranging the, the planet again? Of course we can move the mountains, but God says maybe we shouldn't. And of course I can cast out a demon, but maybe this is not the time. And of course I can heal your cancer, but... But maybe that's not for your journey and your story. And of course, I can, I can uh, control your addiction. And of course, I can. But maybe that's not how it works according to my wisdom. Maybe, maybe I've got a plan that's better than yours. And if we start suggesting to God a plan, we have too little faith. We're starting to depend on our plan, not his. But I think it would be a really good idea if I wasn't sick, God. I think it would be a really good idea if, God, my kid actually followed you. I think it'd be a really good idea, God, if you gave me a little bit more money. And we can start praying like this. We can start commanding God in our prayers. God, I call for you to come forth and cast out this haunted demon from this house. Do it, God. We have enough faith. And God's like, 
<laughs> my plan, not yours. So when we have faith, we've got to say, I'm not only convinced of his power, but I'm convinced that it's his call. And then third, the third sign is when we start to doubt God's person. We start saying to ourselves, who cares? Who cares? I don't think God does. The story we told you last week, that was this teenager. He was getting into the story and he was so in pain that he actually convinced himself that God doesn't care. And if there's actually evil in this world and God's all powerful and God's got a plan and he's letting evil exist, well then he must not love us. And we start saying that God doesn't actually care. We start saying that God's not actually all wise. We start saying that God's actually not all good. Because if he was good, this wouldn't be happening to me. No, no, no. Mustard seed faith is absolutely certain of the person of God. And if God said no to healing my cancer, he must love me for some greater purpose. And if God allows my loved one to die, he still loves me. There's still a plan. There's still a purpose. And if, if God is allowing this, this pandemic to go on, there must be a good and righteous and holy purpose. If God's allowing that person to be president or that to be my kid's teacher, God must still be loving and good and wise and holy and just. I'm convinced of it. And then if you're convinced of it, sky's the limit. Then, and only then, are you walking in the power of God. And God is saying in this, in this incredible passage, when we trust his power, when we trust his, his plan, when we trust his person, then just a minuscule amount of God is better than a massive amount of me. I got to move myself out of the way and say, God's got this. And God, the God of the universe, with a thought, with a flick of the finger, with a, 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 a glance of the eye, can take all of the world's problems and solve them. And he's got a plan, he's got a purpose, he's got a power. You have no ability to control this world. The outcomes and the flows of what's happening in nature. To be able to manipulate a civilization or a mankind. To stop genocide, to, to even correct your own child's behavior. You don't got that power. You don't got that wisdom. You don't got that perfect person. A perfect amount of love and wisdom and righteousness. But God does. And so we must say, God, I have faith in you. And that faith will move mountains. You see, if we can go to the next slide, please. The question this morning is simply this, where will a little faith make a big difference in your life today? What is that thing that you're bringing in this morning that we all brought in with us, we all have it, and we're holding on to it and we're saying, if only God would. If you could give that totally and completely to God, where, what, what would, how would that make a big difference? If, if in this passage we're like the Father, who's bringing our child to God, how many of us parents need to do that? And we need to come up to God and we need to say, God, my child is in trouble. And I can't fix it. And I don't know what to do. And my pastor can't help me. And my, my Christian neighbor's not, my, my, my parents aren't much of assistance. The teachers are not there. The doctors have said, I can't, I, God, I can't do it. And so, Lord, I'm, I've been trying to fix my child, but maybe today I want to just in 
faith give you the life of my child? Will you take him? Will you cover him with your power? Will you use him in your plan? And will you, in in your person, love him, hold him, keep him, direct him? What a difference that would make. I think of my grandfather, who's 106 years old. 106 years old. Do the math, right? That gets us back to 1915. Do you know what was happening in 1915? World War I was ending. He was born right at the end of World War I. And he was a two, three, four, five-year-old during the Spanish flu. 50 million people died in that pandemic. 50 million. You know what they told everyone to do around the world for the Spanish flu? Wear masks. What? It's happened before. Yeah. And he was alive for it. He was the the kid that wasn't handed off to strangers like our two, three, four-year-olds aren't handed off to strangers because we don't want them to get COVID, right? So, so these kids don't know how to leave their parents because they've been connected to them for years. It, we've seen it. It's, been, it's just part of a pandemic. That was my grandfather 100 years ago. And then my grandfather was a middle schooler for the Great Depression where they didn't know if they would have a meal the next day, where mom and dad were losing jobs, where, where there was just... If you had it, save it. And and that greatest generation who had come through the Great Depression saw the value of everything that we have, and now we're overflowing with stuff, and we don't comprehend that like he did. But he was a middle schooler in that. Our middle schoolers are like, when can I get my license? When he was in middle school, he's like, when am I going to get breakfast? Maybe in three days. Then he served in World War II. He was a Navy man in his 20s where there were actually other people trying to fly planes into his boat so that they would kill him and so that they could win the war. And in his lifetime, you think about what was invented, right? Cars, phones, electricity, nuclear bombs, cold war. And we, we sit here today going, oh my word, I can't believe all the problems that I have. But you know, to this day, when someone says to my grandfather, hey, sir, how have you lived such a good life? How have you been so productive? How have you survived everything that the life has thrown out? You know what he says every time, even while his memory's failing, what he'll answer you? He'll say, you know what? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Pandemics, wars, depressions, nuclear fallout, raising kids, grandkids, great-grandkids, school, work, play. Trust in the Lord. What for you will make a big difference? What little faith would make a big difference for you today? Give it to God. I know that for some, you're on a spiritual journey and you have not yet trusted in Jesus as your personal Savior. This is the first thing we can trust God with. We can trust God with our eternity. We can trust God with our salvation. And God is calling for you today to trust his power. He can save you. 
He is the only one that can forgive you of his sins. He sent Jesus to die for your sins so that you could have his righteousness. That's trusting in his person. The love and the righteousness of God is then accredited to you when you believe in Jesus. When you say, God, I know I'm a sinner and I can't save myself, but I'm trusting in you to save me. I believe Jesus died and rose again from the dead. I want to accept you as my personal Savior. And I have met religious people who have been a part of church, who have been a part of religion, who have been a part of faith their whole lives, who never realized that they had to put their faith and trust in Jesus for salvation. They thought they had to do good. They thought they had to give money. They thought they had to go to church. They thought they had to know the Bible. They thought they had to serve their neighbors. You don't have to do any of those things for salvation. You do those things because you're saved. Jesus said, I, I'm the one that saves you. So faith, like a mustard seed, means your, your eternity can be changed forever. Maybe today's the day you need to decide to follow Jesus. Right now, in the quiet of this moment, whether you're watching online, whether you're here in person, simply say to God, I'm sorry for my sin. I believe Jesus died and rose on the cross, died on the cross and rose for the dead for me, and I want to accept the free gift of salvation. I want to trust Jesus to save me. And today could be the day of your salvation. If you have any more questions about that, go to branchlife.church, click on that tab, and we'll explain this in detail to you. Or talk to one of us after this service. Where will a little faith make a big difference for you today? Bring it to God. Now, let's close out some thoughts and let's have a little fun together. The, 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 the chapter moves on. Well, before we get there, let me just read this about salvation. In verse 22, and this is not, I didn't want to breeze past this. In verse 22, it says this, and they were gathering in Galilee, so after this conversation, Jesus said to them, the disciples, the Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. This is the gospel. And he will be raised on the third day. This is the third time and in as many chapters where Jesus has predicted his death and his resurrection. I'm going to be killed, but I'm going to raise from the dead. And he's bashing this truth into the disciples' brain, but they're still not getting it. And here's where the disciples needed a little faith. Instead of going, Oh my word, you're going to raise from the dead? They went and were greatly distressed. You're going to die? Yeah, I'm going to die, but then I'm going to raise from the dead. You're going to die? I'm going to be so sad. Yeah, yeah, but I'm going to raise, and it's just three days. You're going to die? What are we going to do? <laughs> They're still learning about this faith. We do the same thing. What do you mean I'm sick? But you're going to have all eternity in heaven with God, but I'm sick. I don't want to be sick. But you're, you're not going to be sick for like eternity. It's just right now you're sick. You're not going to be sick, but I don't want to be sick. Yeah, he's got the power, but he's also got the plan, right? Faith, trust it. So you see this moment. Jesus is again pointing to the cross, pointing to the victory. We know how it ends. We know where it's going. We know what's going to happen. Have faith. Have faith in his plan. Now, they keep going. Verse 24, they ask this question. Do I have to pay taxes? Now, the, the answer might surprise you. When they came to Capernaum, the collectors of the two, whatever, tax, went up to Peter and said, does your teacher not pay taxes? All right? Do you have to pay taxes? And Peter says, yes, he does. And when he came into the house, Jesus spoke to him first, saying, so what do you think, Simon? From whom do kings take the toll of the tax? From their sons and daughters? And when, he, and when Jesus, uh, or from others? 
And when he said, from others, that's Peter, Jesus said, then sons, you are free. What just happened? (laughs) The guy said, did Jesus pay taxes? Peter said, yes. Then Jesus says, what do you think? Do we have to pay taxes? And he asked the question, do the prince and princesses of this world pay taxes? In other words, does Prince Charles pay taxes for the queen? No. Why? Because the taxes are collected for him. The kids of the king don't pay taxes. It's not how it works. They get taxes from other people. So if you are a part of the royal family, you are tax exempt. Here's here's what Jesus is saying to Peter about taxes, right? You are free from taxes. Woo! If you're saved, here's the truth. I am a child of the king. You are a prince or prince. Hold just Every time you introduce yourself now, say, I'm Prince Josh. I am Princess Jenny, which is actually how we do introduce Jenny to our friends. Her her email says princessjenny at juno.com. But you legit hold that air. You hold that right when you're saved. If you're you're saved, the king's kids don't pay taxes. All right? That's not how it works. Then he says, this world is not our home. You're not a part of this kingdom. This is not your kingdom. You are a part of the kingdom of heaven. And so you're free. And I wish he stopped there. (laughs) But he did it. So you're free from the obligations to this world. However, you still must pay taxes. Doggone it. Verse 28, he says this. And when he said from the others, Jesus said, then sons are free. But, verse 27, or... However, underline, circle this, star this. Not to give an offense. Not to give an offense. Go to the sea, cast a hook, take the first fish that comes up. When you open its mouth, you'll find a shekel. Then give it to them for me and for yourself. In other words, you will find enough money to pay your tax and my tax. Must we pay taxes? Absolutely. And Jesus tells us later, he clarifies this through Paul, give unto Caesars what is Caesars. That's clear. He tells us in Peter and Romans, respect our God-given authority. That's clear. We are supposed to follow them. But why? If I'm not a, the king of the, if I'm not a part of this kingdom, why do I have? We do it so not to give an offense. In other words, we represent the king. We are ambassadors of the king. We are here to, to be little Christians, to be light, and to be salt. And my life is a direct reflection on the love and the life of the king of the world. And as representatives of the king, we're not out to offend everybody. The gospel in and of itself is offensive. You're a sinner. How dare you? I know, right? That's a hard pill to swallow. And we have to give that message. However, we're not supposed to be offensive with our lives. We are supposed to choose for the sake of the gospel every time. What does that mean, to choose for the sake of the gospel? I live my life in such a way that it promotes and opens hearts to the message of the gospel. I make choices that are going to reflect positively on the gospel. And if I decided that we're not going to pay taxes because we're just a bunch of Christians and we live for another king, well, the government's going to come after us. They're going to throw us in jail for not paying our taxes. They're going to fine us, and everyone's going to say, those Christians are jerks. They're not contributing to society. They're selfish. 
They don't care about anything but themselves. And for the sake of the gospel, we choose to avoid that offense. What if we made every choice for the sake of the gospel? What if instead of being right, what if instead of having it our way, what if instead of correcting everyone's bad behavior on Facebook, we just promoted good, honest, righteous, godly things? What if we reflected kindness? What if we overdid generosity? What if we went out of our ways to sacrifice for ourselves so that we could promote other people around us? That's exactly what God did. And when he said, love your neighbor as yourself, he said, agape, love your neighbor. Sacrifice yourself for your neighbors. And we need to make posts that reflect the good of the gospel, not give offense to half of the people out there. We need to take a stand for the good of the gospel, not take a stand for our rights and liberties. We lay them down and we become all things to all men for the sake of the gospel. And then, God will provide. (laughs) You don't got to worry about it. God's going to give you everything you need to do exactly what he wants to get done. And here's, here's where people think Christians have a raw deal. Because, yes, the Bible teaches Christians have to pay taxes. But the Bible also teaches Christians have to tithe. What? What? I got to give to the church and the government? I got to give. It's expensive to be a Christian. Are you saying that I actually have to pay taxes and tithe? And here's, yes, you get to. You get to give generously and watch God provide so that you can do both your community duty and your your gifts and worship to God in a spectacular way. And this is the principle for this passage. We always err on the side of generosity. Live with that mantra, knowing that God provides to you so that you can be radically generous. I dare you, I dare you, I dare you. Try to give more than God will provide for you. You can never outgive God. And when we give of ourselves, our time, our energy, our effort, and our stuff, God sends it in fish. You imagine God saying to Peter, Peter, go do what you're good at. Go fish. He goes, what? I get to fish? Yeah, man, go fish. And he goes to fish, and he pulls up one fish. That's why he uses a hook. He pulls up one fish, and out of that fish is everything they need for that day. And then you think about the prayer that he teaches us to pray. God, give us this day our daily bread. Give us today what we need. And guess what? When God's the boss, he takes care of our daily needs. So what do you need today? What do you need today? What do you need to, where do you need to have faith? And what do you need God to provide? And I want to end our time together simply inviting you to have a moment of prayer. I want to say to husbands and wives, maybe you put your heads together and you pray out loud together. Maybe, maybe bring your kids into it. Maybe you're sitting with some friends. Maybe you're just there and you want to quietly reflect on God. In this moment, we're going to pay, play a little music. I'm going to ask you for the next 30 seconds to a, to a minute to make this a house of prayer and to simply take whatever it is you need faith for and whatever you need God to provide and take it to him. With the faith of a mustard seed, take it to him. So will you just quietly in your own heart or with the person next to you spend the next couple of moments. Don't talk, just pray. So don't ask what your prayer requests are, just just pray. Someone take the lead in in your area and pray out loud. Let's have a little music and let's go to God in prayer. 
God, as we lay our troubles, as we lay our days, as we lay our concerns before you, God, we know that a little faith can move a mountain. And Lord, we, we trust in your person. We know that you love us, that you're wise, that you're good, that you're caring, and that you're just. God, today, we hold on to your power. And God, through your power, uh, Lord, we know that anything is possible. So God, through your person and your power, we claim the promises that we can do all things through you who gives us strength. We can get through this day. We can get through this week. Lord, we can persevere in your power. And God, through your person, we know that all things will work together for good to those that love you. And so, Lord, free us from anxiety and from worry and discouragement and doubt and help us, God, to trust in you fully in your goodness and your person. And Lord, we pray all of this according to your will. Will your will be done? Will your plans be made known? God, will your purpose be fulfilled in my life. And if my suffering serves your purpose, I hand it to you. And God, I pray that you would help us to walk in the power of mustard seed faith so that, God, all things could be done. We lay at, our, at your feet our kids. We lay at your feet our ones who don't know Jesus yet. We lay at your feet our church. We lay at your feet our community and our country and our world, and we ask God for you to do your work in each of those areas and trust in your goodness. In your precious name we pray, amen. So did I answer the question, can we cast out demons? No, no, I did not. I'm not going to go there with all the complexity, but here's, here's, here's what I do know, God can. And we can talk further and more theologically in other passages where he answers that more directly, but God's power is accessible to us, that's for sure. And he can do anything when we pray according to his will. So how would I handle a creepy cat? <laughs> I would drop in my knees in prayer. I would say, God, please, 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 please take care of this. And you do what you're going to do. And I trust him to do it. Hey guys, thanks again for diving into God's word with us. We hope it spoke to you in a special way. Don't forget to fill out your connection card before you log off. You may go to branchlife.church or you can find it in the chat area and click on the link. If this was a blessing to you, it would be a favor to us if you could pass the word along. Share online, tag a friend, or by word of mouth. Who knows how God can speak to you or to others through this series. Anytime you would like to connect with us, come right back onto our website or onto our YouTube channel, Facebook, and hopefully you can find um, ways to connect with us more series to dive into and just ways to help encourage you throughout your day. Thanks again. Bye.